Talk features thought leadership interviews with community banking and credit union executives on relevant banking topics. If you are that CEO or would like to be an executive one day, this is the podcast for you. Voted the most downloaded podcast in the community banking space, Bank Talk promises that you will learn something new in each episode to improve the performance at your financial institution. And now, here's our host, Charlie Kelly. Hi, and welcome to Bank Talk. I'm Charlie Kelly, your host and partner at Remedy Consulting. And today we're talking corporate governance. Now, imagine that you just got invited to a board of directors of your community bank or credit union, and you're all excited. And then you realize that there's a little more to it. There's liability associated with it, and and your heart sinks a little bit. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to spend a little bit of time with Kip Weissman from Luce Gorman. Kip has a has a different opinion on how what governance is about, what you should think about if you're a CEO, those types of things. And just interesting to hear hear his perspective on governance and you know what to look out for, what to be aware of. So let's get started with Bank Talk. Now, welcome back to Bank Talk. Uh, so today I've got with me uh, Kip Weissman from Luce Gorman. M- many of you may have heard of him. He does an awful lot of work on the uh, the attorney side of the world. If you if you don't know him, you probably should. So Kip, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Charlie. Well, uh, glad to be here. So Kip, uh, we're here to talk about governance. You know, the way I think about governance... Oddly, the, the just the term takes me back to the you know the thirteen colonies, right? So the the British or or you know various parts of the old world are trying to populate the new world. So on the ship they throw a governor and a you know a master at arms and probably a clerk and you know a few other folks, and they say you know go out. Here's your territory. You know here's your space. We're going to rule you from this side of the ocean. That's probably not the start of governance because I just made that up. But uh, uh, how does that compare to the way you think about governance, you know, specifically within a financial institution? Charlie, that's actually a great example. And uh, I will note you're you're a true patriot. But we kind of break governance down into three factors, which the the, uh, King George uh, example will, will illustrate. One is exercising authority. How do you exercise authority over a complex organization like the British Empire? Two, maybe even more difficult, how does a does leadership obtain bottom-up information? And three, governance is a process that is used for planning for the future. So looking at the British, I think you could say they probably did an okay job of, number one, exercising authority but they did not do a good job of obtaining bottom-up information of what was happening in the colonies, nor were they able to plan for the future. And you see what the result is. So they probably should have uh, taken more care to listen to uh, bank talk podcasts. That's a good point. You know, I think everybody can learn something from that. Yep. That's excellent. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Shameless plug for the podcast too. Nothing better. <laughs> yep. As we talk about governance and the conversation that you and I have had, We've had this conversation around the role of the board of directors versus the role of the management team in helping you know, govern an organization. 
why don't we start with the role of the board of directors? How do, how do you think about the separation between those two? That's great. So the, the directors are at the top of the pyramid, and but they have a limited role. And the role of the directors is to, the number one role is to appoint management. The, the management manages, but the board establishes the mission, establishes long-term strategy, appoints management, reviews management, sets up business planning process and risk management, et cetera. But while the board will adopt and should adopt uh, policies and approve major transactions like mergers, et cetera, uh, management, not the board, is responsible for the day-to-day management of the institution. And if I, I would say this, particularly in smaller banks, uh, you'll see a blurring between those lines, and they're not efficient. Let's remember that the directors are only going to meet once or twice a month for a few hours, and they're not going to have the day-to-day expertise of management. And to the extent they get into the day-to-day processes, they're not going to be effective, and they could get distracted from their fundamental job, which is overseeing the overall institution. This is something the regulators are actually very interested in. So it's important to create a good record of good governance. It can lead to good results on uh, in exam reviews. Now, there have been some lawsuits and other things that are associated with directors. And I wanted to spend a couple minutes on this specifically because I think a lot of times an outside director may take a role on and not really have a decent understanding about what they've just done. Yeah, you know, and maybe that's maybe that's I got to get my hands around this thing. Maybe that's I just need to understand where you know, kind of where my yeah, where my legal responsibility starts and stops. So when you think of just the legal duties of the the bank, right? Are there very specific items there that that sort of define uh, how that how the a director should operate? Yes. And the legal duties of bank directors really correspond to their overall duties we just discussed. And, and they, they kind of fall into two categories. One is due care. So that means whatever decision the board makes doesn't have to be perfect, but the board does have to take the time to fully analyze it and at times seek expert advice. So in your area, in your world, Charlie, suppose a community institution without a lot of IT expertise is considering changing its core systems or um, revising them, which you have to do all the time, as you know, in response to market changes. That's a major decision, uh, involves a lot of money, and it would be something that management would carry the ball on, but the board has to review. Unless the board has capable experts at the board level, they're required as a part of their duty of due care to solicit experts, which could be your firm or another firm. Same thing in environmental, same thing in legal, same thing in financial. So the board is not required to make the right decision all the time, whatever that might be, but it is required, each director is required to to use due care, and you want to memorialize that through good board minutes. The other duty of uh, directors is a duty of loyalty, which basically boils down to an absence of conflicts. So there may be one standard of review of uh, a director action where there's not a conflict and another standard where the bank is doing business with one of the director's brother-in-laws. 
So it's something to keep in mind. It's part of governance. And as most of the listeners probably aware, it does come up in the exam world. I think the emphasis, though, is the legal duties. Yes, they might come up in a lawsuit. They might come up in an examination role. But the key is how they dovetail with the overall role of the board to supervise the organization, not manage every detail, but supervise it. And at that level, the main review is, did the board take time to uh, in making its decision, whether it's right or wrong? Yeah, as long as you have due care and an absence of conflicts, you, you, you've met your legal duties. Is that correct? Yes. There's actually a legal doctrine, very well known, called the business judgment rule. What that means, and it's followed uh, at some level by the regulators and the courts, basically, if there's a lawsuit regarding director actions, uh, the court will evaluate whether there was a conflict of interest, whether there was good faith and whether the directors were following a pre-existing business plan. And if so, the court will say, I don't want to get into whether it's a correct decision or not. Uh, I'm just going to dismiss the lawsuit based on the business judgment rule. So the whole idea is the board, again, follows the limited role we've uh, outlined and uses due care uh, to adequate deliberation, consults experts where needed, Uh, absence of conflicts, the board should be fine, which is as it should be, because they're only going to be there a couple hours a month in most cases. So is it fair to say that I could be a complete bumbling idiot as long as I bring in the right experts and one of them isn't my (laughs) brother-in-law? I would say no. I think uh, a complete bumbling idiot uh, could be an issue. And, you know, the legal analysis of that would be you're probably not responsible for being a complete bumbling idiot, but the other directors may be responsible for bringing someone on who is a complete bumbling idiot. So, Charlie, I will tell you that I serve on no board of directors. So what does that tell you? <laughs> okay, so you're limiting it down. I get it. No, no I think that's yes. perfect. Right. right. <laughs> so give me an example of a complete meltdown in a in, you know, board of directors fiduciary duty. You know, give me an example of how bad it could get. Okay. And then I want to get into information, bottom-up information, because that's the thing that's really important. But the classic example of a board meltdown is Enron. Uh, And Enron and WorldCom uh, led to the famous Sarbanes-Oxley Act, uh, I believe it was 2002. And in Enron, it was almost comedy. Uh, It was a very large organization, and they had hundreds of millions of dollars of off-balance sheet liabilities. It imploded. And investors and employees lost millions, hundreds of millions or billions. The president was sued for a violation of his of his uh, fiduciary duty. And the defense he used somewhat successfully was that he didn't know about it. So he didn't know his own organization. So the uh, Congress passed a complex series of laws which ensured that or tried to ensure that companies and board of directors would have full information regarding their organization, which really gets into the area of controls. Okay. So, so the question that I have immediately kind of says, if you're on a board of directors and the management is not bubbling up the information. Correct. Right. You, you still have some responsibility probably for coming back and going, I don't have the right information. And I know that's what you want to talk about here in just a second which is, you know, what is the right information? What's the right level? What goes to, what should be moving its way upstream so that the board has exposure? 
Exactly. So one of the fundamental, and it's not only about exposure, it's about the overall management of the organization. And this comes in, this is a key focus of the regulators these days. The more complex the organization and the larger the organization, the more difficult it is for leadership to really understand what's going on on the ground. And, you know, a bad example is Putin. You know, he could exercise his authority, but he apparently had no clue of what was going on in Ukraine and in his own army. So one of the fundamental uh, roles of the of the board of directors is to develop a bottom-up information process so that they could have the information they need to make their decisions. And it's really quite difficult, as you know, because there's a lot of people at the lower level, the tellers. They The directors are only there a few hours a month, so they have to be able to generate the granular information and then have it summarized so that directors understand it. So bottom-up information is a huge part of the story. And then you go to the last part, which is planning, which is really kind of the way the regulators look at it and the best practices. It's kind of kind of a five-part process. First, you, you develop a business plan, including a financial plan, and it's dynamic. It can respond to different changes in the environment and changes in the, uh, in the organization. Uh, so you might have financial projections they're dynamic. You know, say you want to uh, implement a new IT structure in, in 2023, you'd have to have the plan able to change, able to recognize the, the new IT structure, including a different cost structure. So then you model different changes on that base case business plan. Then you generate uh, and develop a risk analysis out of those, out of that business plan. So suppose there's a lot of growth and there's somewhat limited capital. That's a risk you identify based on the business plan. Then off those risks, you develop controls. And then finally, off the controls, you develop the famous third-party audits, such as loan review, IT audit, et cetera. And that process is a core of governance. And it's also a board function to understand it and review the process itself as, a, as well as the results of those process periodically. That's more important at the board level than reviewing loans. The regulators want the board to have a, a governance process and bubbling up information is important. And the way you do it is through a, a dynamic business plan. I think you're saying is, I think you're saying that the board has a responsibility to build a structure around which they're getting the information that they need. And, and most of that's based on the business plan and the planning that goes Correct. around that. Okay. Correct. All right. All right. I guess I just never realized. Maybe it's just in sync in. Maybe things are too thick on this end. But no, I think that's fascinating. So here's how that would look, by the way. So initially, you know, suppose you're you're starting from scratch. You, you build that plan and there's financial projections. And of course, you build everything on top of it I just mentioned. And then you would also have periodic variance reports, you know, maybe monthly, definitely quarterly to see how you're doing. So you might be, you know, loan volumes a little higher, fee incomes a little lower, IT expenses a little different. You have those reports and then they're from a board standpoint, you develop a, a Goldilocks way to present them so that the board is neither 
inundated with information. We've seen exam reports on that. They call it a dashboard or don't have enough information. And then at least once a year, there should be a board retreat where you look at all that. And suppose I'm using you as an example, Charlie, because as a matter of fact, we met at a board retreat. So one of the things that was done at that board retreat where they were evaluating the finan- financial progress of the, of, the, uh, of the institution, including the, the projections, as well as new products, and also the IT world. So you bring in an expert. And, you know, it's, it's a real challenge to have leadership get just the right amount of information, the Goldilocks amount of information. But, you know, it's, it's a core to a regulation. It's a core to a public company regulatory regime if you're a public company. And it's really a, a core to management in a, in a very complex world. That does tie quite a bit to get together, honestly, because to me, it always felt like some of these boards are operating maybe a little more seat of the pants. And in yep. reality, you know, it seems like between the auditors and between, between, you know, just history and what they've been able to provide, it probably has some controls built in there that, you know, just went right over my head. I think from a distance, success and failure starts at the top and you could see boards that are continually evolving and changing. And over time, those institutions tend to be the most successful because no one can do it by themselves. It's a team game and everyone needs to be coordinated. And I've, you know, many times in my practice have observed banks with superstar talent at the CEO level, but it's just a a couple people. That's not enough. So everyone works together, everyone that does their role, and that's governance governing the overall organization. What other places besides Luce Gorman can folks go to get information? If you're just trying to figure out how to structure, you know, maybe you're a new CEO, maybe you're a, maybe you're a new board member, right? Are there other resources out, out there that uh, you know, kind of speak to this? Yeah, I think all as uh, the bank trade groups have uh, good resources on this, the ABA and the ICBA and the, and the credit union uh, trade groups. There's a trade group just for corporate directors called uh, National Association of Corporate Directors. It's very good. There's a place called Corporate Lawyer, which we use. It has a lot of documents that you can look at on various aspects of governance, like whistleblowing policies and that kind of thing. There's a there's a lot out there. It's not rocket science on one level. On the other hand, it's ultimate rocket science. You know, every, everyone can kind of draw a picture of a rocket, but to really make it work for your institution is tricky. But there are there are a lot of uh, resources out there. I'll go back to the to the the three elements that we see in governance. How do you exercise authority? How do you obtain bottom up information? And how do you plan for the future? If directors and officers and other leadership just kind of think of those three things, you'll be on the right track and it'll be something you can, it'll evolve every year. Well, Kip, this has been great. I really appreciate you spending a little time with us today. If uh, folks that are listeners want to reach out to you, where can they get you? Well, I'm all over the internet. People know me for better or for worse, <laughs> including for worse, but dial my phone 202-274-2029. My voicemail is 24-7. <laughs> I'm in happy. And I, and I have an email too. I wow. like that. It's wow, like, that's impressive. Yeah, exactly. K. Weissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N at loose law, 
L-U-S-E-L-A-W.com. By the way, for jokesters out there, it's not loose, L-O-O-S-E. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Charlie. This was really fun. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Kip. Appreciate you. Take care. So that's it for Bank Talk. I appreciate Kip joining us for a couple of minutes to spread some wisdom. Hopefully you, you were able to learn something about governance and maybe provide it to your either your new board members or your new CEO. Take care. That's all. That's all for Bank Talk today. Have a good day and keep on learning. Thank you for listening to the Bank Talk podcast brought to you by Remedy Consulting. To reach out to Kip, his email is kweissman at lusselawcom If you would like to be a presenter on the Bank Talk podcast, please reach out and go to banktalkpodcast.com. And we will see you in the next episode.